Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Another backup DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop of a big black bullies in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, I don't want sporting news. I do not want the sporting news. <laughs> fucking local bogus fucking NBA. I really, really hate how NBA does that to you. It's like, no, no, we're going to give you the- No, you need to hear about Delhi. <laughs> no, it's like uh, the- the Nets lost today and Ben Simmons sat. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. no shit. No shit. Uh, ben Simmons is out for weeks, okay? His Mate, back's fucked again. Could you, maybe, could you maybe tell me about how Denver's bench experiment is sometimes going well and sometimes not going okay, well? Okay, that's nobody's interested in that except for you. So, no, no. But I, Yeah, but okay. So, or, you know, Golden State increasingly- You lo- and Mike Malone, and Mike Malone's got his extension, so he, he doesn't need to worry about it. Yeah, fuck yeah. He got the- um, Everyone must be, be sending Monty Williams a very, very nice Christmas card. I'll just say that. Well, everyone's very thankful that the Pistons are absolute morons because they spent all their money on their coach and then their team has lost, what, eight in a row, ten in a row? Yeah, I wonder whether, um, uh, like, you know, I know they said they were trying this year, but they, they seem a little bit like the Spurs, like, yeah, yeah, we're, no, we're really trying this year. And then they play so hand and point cards. It's like, oh, funny how you're not winning with no one to throw your very, very tall guy the ball. How do you reckon Westbrook could go on the Spurs? I think he would go straight to the unemployment office and say, please take me anywhere else. I don't want to be here. Yeah. It was interesting that Westbrook was, was very keen for it to be known that it was his decision to come in off the bench, uh, which just shows that Ty Lue is a genius for making people yeah, think it's, it's their own idea to do these things. And uh, to, to their credit, the Clips actually got a win today, and it was a win against the Rockets, which is more of a statement today than it would have been four weeks ago. Because the, yeah, the Rockets I was say that had the, won like <laughs> seven in a row or something like that. The, the Rocks look solid. Oh, speaking of coaching wizards. The Rocks wizards. look solid. There's a bit of geology news there for you. Good on you. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, Balls podcast. He's Bezo, I'm Doc. I was sort of like, oh, man, the heat, you know. They're going to have to fall over one year. Maybe this will be the year. No, no, they'll just no, run seven, no, seven in a row. no. I figured it Not out. This year happens to be when Tyler Hero has gone out, but I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler shooting fifty percent from three, turning well, not, into not old only that, Clay Thompson, but he missed two and then hit one and then did the held up five because he knew that that yeah. put him back to being fifty percent from three for the year. <laughs> they're, they're just ridiculous. The heat. Well, like, no, Jimmy is just ridiculous. I mean, the Heat are ridiculous with their fucking. Airbnb motivational clip art bullshit court about you know yeah. the toughest hardest working men in the show business or whatever the fuck it is. But did you did you hear? I don't know if you heard Nikias Duncan on on Lowe's pod and he was just like, at this point now they're getting so much shit about it that they all they want to do is like trot it out for a for an NBA finals game just to just to piss everybody off. It's actually serving the purpose because it's it's reinforcing <laughs> that everybody hates us mentality. It's right. like, no, you did this to you. You just punched like, yourself oh, in the balls and said, ow, my balls hurt. Everyone hates us. Everyone's out to get us. Like, no, you just punched yourself in the balls. But the the, the funniest thing is that they were- We don't ju- care about your balls. Uh, they were just starting to like 
you know, get credit for heat culture. Like, people were starting to take it seriously. Like, oh, we can't have that. We've got, you know, we've got no. to get people mocking us for it. If people start taking it seriously, we'll, we'll, where will we get our eggs from? It'll lose all its power. We have to make it obnoxious <laughs> and stupid and insufferable. Oh, oh, I did that. I did that in spades. You, need to, be an ab- you need to be a proper sociopath to behave like that. And, and luckily, that- Pat Riley is that sociopath. Are. Oh, and and Spolstra and and like even the rookie, they've got this rookie that's just like a fucking psychopath. Homie Harketh. Yeah, actually, this this is the, there's been a bit about it this week, but this has been a fantastic year for rookies. Like just all like, like the the kid from OKC who's like started out getting five minutes a game and has sort of demanded that he play twenty minutes a game because he's just that good. I've been watching a little bit of them. They're going to be uh uh, they feel very warriorsy in that when they hit their threes. So you know, I think Giddy hit three, and Isaiah Joe hit seven, uh, three from three, and Isaiah Joe hit seven from seven, and they just looked unbeatable. Like if they're going to hit their shots, there's like everybody else just cuts and runs, and everyone can pass. And ah oh, man, it's such a fun team to watch. Really, really good. A little bit of Sacramento vibes from last year, I reckon. Yeah, I don't remember Sacramento being top 10 in both defense and offense. Sacramento had fantastic offense. They were terrible on defense well, on most of last year. Whereas, like I see a top 10 in both. Yeah, well, Ch- Chet seems to have gone. I'm gonna, He's you know, a weird-looking dude, though. I mean, he, he might be a good basketball player, but he looks like kind of yeah. steampunk, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing, and I'm not- a- he, de- he definitely looks like Abe Lincoln from the Clone Hire cartoon series, if anyone's seen yes. that. Yes. And he looks like, and he makes Wemby look thick with two C's because yeah. he is all arms and elbows. He is just straight lines. He was drawn by drawn by somebody with a fucking set square. He's alarmingly thin. Dude has an edge to him, though. He does not play like he, he looks. He has many edges. Most of them point. <laughs> That's right. He's got lots of edges to him. Well, you know, um, that was, I heard on one of the podcasts I was listening to that, obviously, if you're a seven-foot-tall white guy, uh, you're probably going to get tried by a few people on your way yeah. up. And apparently he had – all the people who have tried him have found him to be extremely difficult to try. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he won over a lot of the old heads real quick in, like, that kind of pickup game circuit that uh, a lot of them play in over the summer. I had to laugh. Like, NBA Twitter is insane. Um, but there was a, a an OKC – like a, I, I guess, blogger. you know, like blog, bloggers, not actually a bad term because yeah, there's blogger. lots of very professional b- blogs and and sort of single market podcasts now where guys are doing real work and real stuff. So blo- bloggers probably. No, this guy was an unemployable enthusiast with a shit a point of view who just decided to be to hold a shit point of view in order to to make himself prominent. This is the uh, the let's fucking trade giddy guy. I'm assuming we're talking about. Him? Oh, no, no, this this guy was saying. Oh, we're not talking about that guy. Yeah, okay. We, Why? No, this is this was another guy that was saying we we need to bench giddy for youth, and I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Giddy's 21. He's not 32. I just is there, I just, is, there a, is there a fetus you have in mind that you want to bring up? It's like that's even dumber than the, the, the guy the, who said we need to trade giddy because he's not working out. Uh, like, okay, see, so all youth. Like, the only old guy on the team is Batans, and he's only there because they got draft picks with him. Shea like, is that, probably the oldest core member of that team. I, I think the oldest guy is the, the guy they brought over from um, – the, the guy they brought over from Europe, and he's 25 or 26. Washed. Um, 
he might look, he just looks like he's thirty two and smokes nine cigarettes a day, like yeah. like all the Europeans point guards seem to do. Shouts to Tad Dosage. <laughs> well, you know uh, uh, who was the guy in the Knicks that was awesome at steals? Pa- Pablo Perigoni, Perigoni, Prigioni, yeah, Prigioni. You know he is another one of those. Sure, yeah, that's how they make them. They get preternaturally aged and stubbly. And possibly Balkan or Italian. The West looks a, a, a bit more chaotic in a different sort of way than what we what we thought this year. And that I know Denver lost today, but D- Denver sort of looked like a team that went, uh, we'll, we'll wake up eventually," and just waited too long to wake up, and, and then the you know the game had already got away from them. But the Timberwolves is the second best team. OKC is the third or fourth best team. Like that's not really how I saw it playing uh, out at this. What stage. is this Dallas erasure? Yeah, yeah, Dallas, that's right. Dallas has the same record as Denver, which is- <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Astonishing. Um, and I haven't seen enough Dallas basketball to be able to explain how it is. I mean, uh, as Adam and I said last week, they have had a bit of a soft schedule. But again, that was a little bit of a quid pro quo for them having uh, an extremely strenuous preseason because they were the ones who yeah. had to get a shot at it. I don't think anybody believes that Dallas are going to be long-term contenders for the one seed, but it certainly proves that this shit might actually- work, which is not something anybody thought it was going to happen. Yeah, but they're, they're doing the thing the Spurs used to do, and like people go, oh, they had We're a soft Signing schedule. absolute but, psychopaths. <laughs> but lots of teams have a, a soft period in the schedule and go six and three, yep. not, not nine, nine and three. And three and, yeah, yeah and, and that's the trick, right, is to go nine and three when you've got a soft part of the schedule, and if you go 500 against the good part of the schedule, you're a top team. That's the whole idea. The shit I don't understand about them is that, that, I mean, you put Luca and Kyrie on the same team and you imagine what we're going to see is some pound-the-rock fucking 23-and-a-half-second possessions. And they are top five in pace. This is not the team that we were expecting to see out of the uh, out of the Mavs. Does it help that their centre has played a lot better than expected? You know, he's giving Luca a target to to push the pace too. Well, it helps that the the young kid Lively, who's lovely by name and by nature, has been extremely playable. And again, that comes back to your your thing about the rooks. I mean, nobody thought a 19-year-old kid was going to come in and play serious minutes uh, as a starter at centre for the fucking Mavericks, but that's exactly what you've got. Mm. Um, who did Minnesota – like, Minnesota have been creaming everyone and then they lost a game – was it yesterday or the day before? Oh, they lost on a back-to-back – to the Lakers, I think it was. Because they played that infamous game against the Warriors where Draymond and Clay got themselves fucking mm. flicked in the first uh, minute and a half. Uh, and then the game, they had a back-to-back in LA the next night and they lost that game, which is not surprising because <laughs> they might have been a little bit cooked mentally after that. Uh, but, yeah, they've been fantastic. They're still uh, either first or second um, defense Certainly, certainly best defense in the West, uh, and and their offense is decent as well. So they're um you know they're just doing stuff that works. Gobert seems to be back. Like the the fascinating thing, fascinating thing about this side is it's going to be like Golden State, Milwaukee, expensive next year. And I'm surprised it isn't now. Well, like because um you know because all the, all the deals that they've re-signed, yep. Edwards and and Zeke Naji and all those guys. They kick in next year, and they really have to trade Cat <laughs> this season before his super duper max kicks in because it's it's heaps harder to trade him next year. But it's like, yeah, but 
we're actually good. Yeah, and Cat seems to have grown into the role of not being, you know, he's, he seems to be comfortable in the role of being being the number two. I don't, I don't think if you put it to him in those terms, he'd be particularly happy. But uh, And having said that, the game that they played against the Dubs, it was Cat's performance down the stretch that actually won them that game. Yeah, so... I don't know. That, that that's a that's a real like if you think you were going to win this win this year, like if you thought you were that good, but uh, I don't know. They're this know. year's Memphis. I feel that this is the year that they're going to have to do it because next year they're going to the arse is going to drop out of them because of exactly the reasons you're saying. And it's not like they can replenish with draft picks because they sent them all to fucking Utah in order yeah. to, to bring in the Frenchman. Yeah, and that like that's literally why Denver are having to struggle with a. Uh, you know, a, a bench that will be up and down. And, like, Jamal Murray sort of takes a lot of the sting out of this, right? Because then you can yep. play Jokic or Murray with the bench the whole time. Yeah, he's but, out for a couple more weeks, is he not? But that's why Denver are doing what they are with their bench guys because you need sort of above average value for the dollars that you're spending on those guys. You know, you can't afford the Bruce Browns all the time. Well, somebody can. Mm. I can't remember who, who he went to. Pacers? Uh, yes, he went to the Pacers, but the Pacers the, had the number one offense in the history of basketball, which is one of our um, one of our one game overreactions a couple of weeks ago, and has actually held up. They are the number one offense in the history of professional basketball, which is a reasonable achievement for a bunch of yokels from the cornfields of uh, Indiana. Yeah, I, I don't know if you read Rob Mahoney's feature on Halliburton. Extremely but- unlikely, given that it's on fucking Bill Simmons's green <laughs> blog. <laughs> it's really, really good, and. The the quote from um, uh, who's their center? Not Zach Collins. I've got Zach Collins in my head. Um, you know, o- always going to be perpetually traded. But he said he he was watching when he was out injured. He was watching like G League and replacement guys get you know ten points and fifteen rebounds. You know, just off the pace that Halliburton was setting him. Was like, damn, what am I going to do when I come back? I'm like an actual NBA player. They seem really, really, really stoked that they've that they managed to score him. Um, Imagine if they could play some defense. They are currently the third worst team in the entire league on defense. Yeah, which seems like that's not a Rick like Rick Carlisle always sort of managed to scrape out, you know, some schemey stuff. Yeah, but um, defense is, is attitudinal for most of the regular season. If you want to play good defense, you can. It yeah. is. It's almost like periodic load management. You, you load manage yourself in the middle of games on defense until the last few minutes. If the game is tight, yeah. Or you set yourself for a, you know, for a matchup like Porter playing against Luca, and you know, Luca's exactly the sort of guy that would have toasted Porter two seasons ago, right? You know, Porter would have jumped on his all these pump fakes and stuff like that, and instead he seemed to have gone in super prepped, and he'd obviously talked to his scouts and his assistant coaches or whatever, and had a plan, and you know, just used his length and and stayed on the floor and sort of stayed in that sort of verticality space that. You know, Hibbert used to talk about and just let Luca sort of do his shit behind the wall and then didn't foul, you know, didn't let him get easy shots away. And it was like, oh, you, you had definitely prepped for that game a lot more than you normally would for a matchup, you know, like it just looked like he put in the homework. And I can understand how that would be almost impossible to do for 82 different opponents across the season, um, which is why the home and home, you know, the two games back to back are always a little bit fascinating because you sort of, you almost get that feedback in real time, and then you know- yes and no because you know, like the who did the, the Spurs beat the Suns two games back to back because it happened to be at time of the year where the Suns had 
<laughs> no players. Pretty that, much. Not, well, no, no, no players that were using the salary cap. Well, anyway. essentially they had KD for one game and they had KD in a pretty undercooked book for the other one yeah. and they lost them both. Now, that's not really representative of, of the, the two proportional levels of those two teams, but, no, you know. But, yeah, by and large, those those baseball series where you play, you know, essentially home and home, where you play two games in the same stadium, get them out the way, they're quite good because, I mean, that's how, that's how we got that tremendous, well, tremendous for the first 101 seconds Warriors- Timberwolves game because all of the fucking residual bitterness from the previous game boiled over in the first minute and a half of the uh, of the second game and and we ended up with three ejections. Yeah, a- and then in the east, it, like the the east seems a lot more solid than what we thought. Oh, what do you say? We thought I'm an eternal defender of the Eastern Conference on this podcast. <laughs> I would point out that the entire top ten in the east are uh, all uh, all above five hundred, possibly yeah. because Washington and Detroit exist. Yeah, <laughs> well. Washington, Washington, where I, I like, I was very, very happy about my call about Washington last time, and and shit's gone completely further sideways for them since then. Yeah, Kuzma wandering down the court. I don't know what he was doing. They're having fun. Pool, pool all but checking his phone in a timeout. <laughs> Their rookie looks good though. The French kid. Oh yeah, because they got they got Koulibaly. Yeah, they got Wemby's offside from um, yeah. Metro eighty six, whatever they call themselves. It's in used yeah. to play for. And then it just feels like we're waiting for the distribution of talent from some other teams, right? Chicago, maybe the Raptors. Like it feels I like that know. chat's happened. To- well, the Raptors are only a are only. I mean, they lost by three points to Boston today, mm. and they would be. Six and six, and in the mix for the eight seed. So I mean, the Toronto have been up and down, but they're not—they're not a bad team. And I feel like they're going to be in the conversation later. I don't think they're going to blow it up. Whether they should blow it up or not is probably a separate question. Yeah, Chicago. That will they get rid of Levine, or whether that will they get rid of everyone? Yeah, like, there's a lot of teams thirsting for Caruso out there to be like the third guard that you can throw in for defensive possessions when yeah. you really need to lock a team down. I, um, I, and I'd still point to what I said last week, which is I don't think the ownership, I don't think Ryan Stilf wants to have a fucking rebuild, but yeah. I don't think, I mean, they would need to convince ownership that we're not even going to make the play-in. And I think the play-in is enough for them in terms of the ownership. They're quite happy to bank, you know, a game of a single fucking playoff check in terms of home attendance, and that would make, that would be enough for them. Yeah, whereas the Wizards have just gone, no, we We've had enough of being that nine ten seed, eight nine ten seed. We're just going to be terrible. Well, the Wizards would would buy Jerome for eight nine ten seed at this stage. This yeah. is the team that haven't won fifty games in either of our lifetimes. Yeah, which like they've had some good players, right? Beal and Wall and Gilder, yeah. like that. That's insane. They still hadn't won fifty games in any of those yeah. seasons. Like. Did, how, how many years did San Antonio win 50 games in a yeah, row? They, like, and it's just uh, going to continue over and over again. And then I don't know whether there's any teams in the West, like looking at the bottom of the West, there's no teams in the bottom of the West that, A, have trade assets. I, I suppose Portland has. Um, Not really. I suppose. Brogdon. Who's Brogdon and oh, Jeremy Grant. Grant. Do Memphis go full tank and, like, sell everybody off that isn't any good? Like, do they flip smart for something and just do do the Duncan tank? I don't think so because I don't think they expect you to be in this position, so they don't believe that this position. I think it would require if Jar comes back and they still fucking suck at the trade deadline, then that's a conversation to be had. But that's mm. like twenty five games after Jar comes back. 
So if they continue to suck in those 25 games, then they're not going to have a lot of fucking choice, are they? But what parts are you selling off from, like, Luke Kennard? What are you do- what are you selling from Memphis? Smart is the is the player. Yeah, right? he just got him. I know, but you can at least probably get something for him. I don't know. The thing is, though, that I don't think the Memphis team isn't isn't bad. Brandon Clark's the other one, but, but the Memphis no. team isn't bad. It's just injured. If they had all the parts, if they had Jar back from suspension, if they had Stephen Adams, Adams and, and, and Clark and Brandon and, Clark yep. there, they would not be two and nine. They might no. be nine and two. Yeah. So I wouldn't blow up a roster that is incomplete. Like it's a, it's a bit bleak, but it's probably good that Jar's not there during this period of injury and trying to absolutely do a million things to try and get them up into that playing space, like overusing himself to to drag them back up into the into you know like what uh, sort of like what LeBron's having to do now just to keep them in the seventh seed. Yeah, although Anthony um, Davis has actually played some basketball to, um, yeah. in the last couple of days, which is impressive. Memphis are only one loss behind Utah. In eleventh, so it's it's not they're not that far out of it. Yeah, the the plan really is like a it's so close. You know, you just need one little run, and it's like oh, it's within reach, right? Well, not even the plan because I mean, even a team like Utah who were four and eight, yeah, but they were for some reason two and zero in the IST. Yeah, so they are still even though they lost today to to Phoenix, they are still a decent chance of. Getting one of the wild cards and being second in the group and, and making it through to the quarterfinals, which for the 11th best team in the Western Conference is actually, that's kind of what this competition is for, I would have, I would have argued. Yeah. So, so, should we talk about that for a little bit? Because now we've sort of played enough games that we can, because it's first in every bracket, isn't it? Plus the next best two teams. Is that essentially, it, yeah, it, for every conference, there's three divisions, which are not the normal divisions that split up geographically. Yeah. And then there's essentially best placed next team down, which is probably going to be a team that's three and one. Right. So whatever team's three and one, but it does, it could be from either of the groups from yes. each conference. It'll be the, th- so we'll- it'll be the best placed, probably three and one team with the best point differential in their group. So, you know, at the moment, you're looking at, the Pacers and the Sixers, Milwaukee and the Heat, Boston and Brooklyn, the Lakers and the Jazz. Like you said, the Jazz are still in it. Yeah. The Pelicans and the Nuggets. And Pelicans the got a win today the- that they weren't expecting against the Nuggets. Yeah, the Kings and the Timberwolves. So, like, that's that's a different sort of grouping than you would expect in the NBA finals. Like, this yep. is what I think that it'll make this actually pop when we get to the knockout stage. We'll get some, some different sort of matchups. And because it's a... It's a shame the Clippers are sort of out of it because Ty Lue is exactly the sort of coach you'd want to put into a one, you know, one game elimination. Like everyone must be fucking scared of the heat in this situation because a one game elimination is just what Spo must go to bed dreaming about, yeah. I reckon. Uh, you know, what funky shit can I throw it against a team for one game? Yeah, like I, I've been enjoying it. Like I don't like the courts, but I understand their function. I, I sort of feel like they went so far over the top so that there was absolutely no doubt what those games were. Yeah. And I think once the competition's a little bit more established in our in our headspace, they'll sort of tone that back a bit, but they went super over the top. And I, th- I think you sort of have to. Like, there's just no doubt. If you if you watch a highlights package or you turn the game on and you see that court, like, oh, yeah, this is an in-season tournament game. Like, there is just yeah. no doubt instantly. 
And to be fair, most of the host broadcasters have run different graphics packages, kind of gold-tinted logos, or they've just been running different score chirons and stuff. So all the broadcasters have, have been putting a bit of effort in, into it as well, which I think has been important. Uh, and there was some discussion that maybe the added intensity helped to cause the, the brouhaha between the Deep Wolves and the, and the Warriors. I don't tend to put a lot of faith nah, in that. I just but, think those teams, those teams just don't like each other. But just the fact that people are, are talking about that as a thing that could be the case shows that this isn't the complete failure that various old heads were trying to suggest that it was going to be. Should we go back to that for a sec? Like, Gobert is, like, probably one of the least liked players in the league. Yeah. And he was essentially vocalising, hey, I'm, I might not be very well liked, but this dude, his own team don't even like him. I, I might not be very well liked, but at least I'm not such a bitch that I get myself thrown out of games where my best friend isn't playing anymore. Yeah. And you'd think, well, that's a ridiculous thing to say. And then you look at the numbers the and stats, he yeah. is seven of the last 11 games that Steph hasn't been involved in. He's been thrown out of. It's like, well, what are we doing here? The most charitable explanation is he feels like he needs to raises his intensity when Steph isn't there and he gets himself thrown out. But I think that's a little bit, you know, there's no evidence to say that's the case. There's no more evidence for that than, than Rudy's case, which is his feelings are hurt and he can't be asked. So he gets himself well, well, tossed. How do you feel about the player that goes, I have to be a cunt to be effective? Which is essentially what Draymond's trying to say now. I feel well, like... Like do, like, do you? Do, do you, have you? Have you ever tried not... Not being that way and yeah. seeing whether you could be effective. I feel. Like- I, f- I feel like it is a a justification. It's a post hoc justification. It's a justification after the fact. It's like, yeah. well, I I, ha- I get white line fever and I behave like a cunt and we win. Therefore, me behaving I like ha- a cunt is to. justified and essential. Where in reality, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we see. And I imagine as as a coach, you see this all the fucking time. There are dudes yeah. who white line it and just become unbearable fuckwits. And they claim this is, is in order to win, but you think, well, maybe if you have you ever, pr- you can't prove the counterfactual. You can't prove that if you yeah, didn't like, do that. Can, can you try it the other way, please? Yeah. Like, and it's not just that. It's like you know, I'm an offensive player. I can't, I can't put energy <laughs> in, into in every sense in, into defense because I need all my juice to attack. And it's like, okay, but have you tried? Have you tried like at least giving a fuck for fifty percent of the game or ten percent of the game? Like, I, I just find it. Like, I coached a team that was a whole team of Draymonds that started out like 16, 17-year-olds and they all came from other clubs with chips on their shoulders and went, no one likes us, everyone hates us, we have to be absolute assholes to get to a, to a certain point. And then I'm sort of like, okay, but now we have to move beyond that or we're never going to, we're never going to win anything. Like, yeah. if you're always going to play with that chip on your shoulder, you're not going to grow, you're not going to get any better. Like. Yeah. You're going to get yourself penalised out of games. You're going to get thrown out of games and and lose your lose games because you're not available for five games. Like a five game losing streak might be just devastating for this Golden State team. It does seem to match up very neatly with the amount of time that Steph might be out for, though. It's weird. Yes, it um, does. Does it? Do you reckon Silver rang him up and said, "Hey, Draymond, you know, I've just talked to the medical staff. Um, uh, Steph's going to be out for six games. How do you feel about a five game suspension? Yeah, Adam, no worries." It seems like the league has had enough. Joe Dumas is the guy who's who's the fucking yeah. hanging judge on this, who's a mate of Draymond's because they, they went to the same uni. Uh, but he's like, they're not alluding to the fact that his prior fucking crime to being held against him. They're literally putting in the press release. You know, if he wasn't such a cunt, he wouldn't get yeah. himself, he wouldn't be yeah, getting this get- kind of level of, of punishment. But, but I, I thought, I know it's a little bit twisting the knife and it's a really smart twisting of the knife because, you know, they might be 
your opponent in the first round of the playoffs. But Rudy essentially saying, it's not just everyone in the league that thinks it. Everyone in your own team thinks yes. it, mate. <laughs> And, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be Steph or Clay, but he's probably right in that, you well, know. Well, Jordan Poole certainly fucking thought it. Allegedly, what he said to Draymond was he's just a backpack for Steph Curry, yeah, and that's an what got him punched. Backpack, yeah. An expensive backpack for 30. Yeah. But in terms of the, that idea that you, you always have to be a cunt to succeed, I reckon the evolution of the Australian cricket team kind of tells you that that's not the case because they were the – you think back to the World Cup winning team of 2015. We had Brad Haddon deliberately yeah. sledging the shit out of the New Zealanders because he found it offensive, the idea of the way the, the, way the New Zealanders played cricket, which was positive and respectful and trying not to be complete cunts about it. But with, with the retirement of your Haddons and those sorts of dudes – the Australian team has migrated much more towards the New Zealand mindset, which is it's just a fucking game. How about we treat everyone else with respect and we we you know we grow and we um, well, uh, we and, look and after ourselves. And I'm not going to argue that they've been less successful as a result. Well, like even someone like Warner, right? Who you sort of felt had to play with that chip. Like he's actually played better under Cummins than he had. Yeah. But before that, like his fielding in that semi final might have won them the game. Like, that was where South Africa could have got away. And the the fact that he was cutting off those drives in the covers and just, you know, throwing himself all over the place rather than spending energy, like, getting up in someone's face. Yeah. Like, my- And there's also the element that all these guys live out of each other's fucking suitcases in the IPL season. So, yeah, it's a bit hard to have that. I mean, the team where there is that level of bitterness was the Australians and South Africans. Ironically, when you think back, the series that triggered the Sandpaper Gate bullshit- that was a bit of a home and home. That was like one of those baseball seasons uh, series, wasn't it? Because yeah. South Africa played in Australia, in Australia and then Australia went to South Africa and they were sick to the fucking back teeth of each other by that stage. And that was yeah. the series where the crowd were wearing fucking Sonny Bill Williams masks and all the rest of it. And Dave Warner was starting fights in the fucking, in the sheds and all the rest of it. So if, if it was going to happen against any team, it would have happened against that South African team, particularly with, you know, Kikiso Rabada, who I think got suspended in that 2018 series at, at one point, or at least was going to, and yet it was a it was not a game that was played with any particular level of narc. It, no. It's a different sort of team now. No, so, so there's a couple of, a couple of things about the World Cup I wanted to hit. One is how did the Indian fl- players feel about like do they feel like how their grossly fucking obvious it is? Yeah, do they feel, do they sort of feel like their talents are being di- diminished by their board sort of making sure everything's fixed for them, or is it just such a inbuilt thing into Indian cricket that it's like, oh, yeah, well, we'll take every advantage we can get. It's it's just I'm kind of out on it because, I mean, the BCCI didn't need to doctor the pitch to beat New Zealand, but they just couldn't help themselves. I mean, New Zealand still fought like hell because they're New Zealand. Well, I don't know if you've seen the latest thing, but there's like, and I think this is absolute bullshit, but it just, this is what happens when you start doing things like doctoring pitches is that the Indian captain likes to toss the the coin really high in the air and it falls like a long way from where the opposing captain is and sometimes the opposing captain like doesn't get sight on it and ex players are like oh this is this is fixed you know yeah Th- they're getting to bat first because the the, the umpire's picking it up and going oh yeah India are batting first and it's like I'm sure that that's not happening right with all the cameras around 
that's just that's some real high risk bullshit if that's what you want to do. Yeah, and but if all the people who are watching are, if nobody cares, but that's the thing. Yeah, it's happening at the same quiet part loud now. It's just mm. so, and that's the thing that's so disappointing is that it's out in the open now. They don't yeah. even fucking care. They're just gonna. They've turned the whole thing in a fucking into a Modi party fascist rally. It's just. Yeah. They're just so used to it being just a parade. Of their own fucking national interest. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Let's hope we get a, a Maxwell special and, <laughs> and they lose well, fucking, regardless. Because uh, in, our, in our pod chat, Adam is going on about, you know, you know what he, what he, how he thinks is going to happen and all this sort of stuff. And I've said, it's encouraging that you believe this is actually going to be decided on sporting merit. Because I yeah. don't. No. After after the I, I, that shameless fucking pitch swap for the New Zealanders, it's like what the fuck they are absolutely shameless. They're just going to cook it, this in themselves. Even even on the final word, they they weren't they weren't like oh, I wonder what sort of pitch we'll get. They were sort of like I wonder what sort of pitch the BCCI will want for their team, considering Maxwell and uh, Head bowled really well. You know. Do they want a spinning pitch? Do they want a pitch that'll seem? Do they just want a batting paradise so they can get 450? But, you know, Warner and Head and Maxwell could go off on that sort of pitch as well. Like, they were, they were openly discussing how they were going to fix the pitch to help their side and, and the yeah. fact that Australia sort of- In an ICC tournament. Yeah. This with, would be like with, FIFA with deliberately official, rigging the- Deliberately, like, growing the grass long on the World Cup pitch in order to yeah. favour a team that played Route 1 fucking low-block football. That's mm. just- It's just shameless, man. It's gross. It's so gross. Just, just one other little cricket thing- I wanted to talk about Meg Lanning because I sort of, you know- You missed out on, not- the, on the love-in last week. Well, I, I've been thinking about, like, how I've followed women's cricket and I'm, I can't say that I was, um, you know, like a, like in on the ground floor sort of sort of thing. I, I, I think I got, you know, into it through the, the fact that the women's T20, the, the women's Big Bash was free and, you know, you watch a little bit of that. And then I think where I really got dedicated was that- um, uh, World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. But I I think of Meg Lanning the same way I think of Alan Border, you know, in that- Big moustache. <laughs> no, Nuggety left-hander. More that, that there will always be other captains of Australia, right? There's yeah. always going to be, you know, lots of people captain Australia. But Alan Border is my captain of Australia, right? If I think of a captain of Australia, that's who I think of. Like, Border is the captain of Australia for, for me in my mind. Like, it's just yeah. this immovable object in my head, you know. Border it's like nerds is my- have with, with Doctor Who. It's whoever the, whoever yeah, the, that's the right, Doctor that's Who right. was like, with when yeah, they I'll- were, or James Bond for that matter. You know, whoever was, yeah. the, was the Doctor Who or the Bond when they were growing up is, is their categorical idea of who, what, what the job should look like. And like there, there will be other really great women captain of Australia, but Lanning is just going to hold that spot for me. Um, particularly after the way they rebounded to losing that World Cup in England, I just thought that it would have been really easy just to go, oh well, we lost it, but we, you know we've got more talent coming through, and we'll drop a couple of these old players. But no, they actually went and doubled down and did the work, and and you know. That recognised that they had a talent advantage, but that talent advantage wouldn't mean shit if they didn't do the work and went away and did the work and just went on this, you know, amazing run of what they win twenty seven one days in a row or something like you know beat Wars record of of one day wins in a row and 
I don't know. There's just something about her- Overwhelming talent advantage. Yeah, well, talent advantage, but also- I mean, we do have to keep remembering that when it comes to the Australian cricket team of up to about 15 minutes ago, they yeah. had an overwhelming talent and professionalism advantage that- Yeah, professionalism know, advantage. I, I, th- and I think, I think, that's, I think that's you the- brought up that last World Cup, that Australian-New Zealand World Cup. I feel like that's a really good dotted line to draw between- the previous era when it was really only just Australia and England, essentially, that were properly quasi-professional, you know, there are several world powers that can can yeah. face off each other toe-to-toe, much to the detriment of Australia, of course. Yeah, like the, the, the next captain, whether it's Healy or whether they go with someone a bit younger. It's Healy. And maybe not the next captain, but maybe the one, you know, like uh, pr- probably – Probably the captain after Michael Clark, right? Michael Clark really had the fumes of that golden generation playing for him. I was just thinking about Michael Clark. I was thinking, imagine being the kid who grew up with Michael Clark as your as your fucking ideal of an Australian captain. That's yeah, that. I know. Bubbo. Who who was the captain after Clark? Because Payne got brought back. Well, Payne got brought back as keeper, and then South Africa. No, no, it was Smith, of course. It was Smith, it was Steve yeah, Smith. it was Smith yeah, because yeah. he got fired during uh, uh, as a result of um, yeah. of fucking of, of Sandy Balls, a guy that never really should have been. Like, no, he's a, not not he's a great not player, suited, but he's not a captain, not suited at no. all. No, far too fucking neurospicy to be to be leader of men. Yeah. Anyway, I just like uh, I think you guys covered it, but I, I just really wanted to say that about Lanning. I just I don't know, and like. I really admire her for just going, look, I've done everything. <laughs> I just want to go and do some other shit. Well, the thing is that because I hadn't watched that much women's cricket when she was starting out, you know, I thought, oh, she's retiring at 31. I hadn't realised that she'd started as this tearaway no. fast bowler when she was 18. basically just out of puberty. And, yep. you know, this had, you know, it's a bit like like Casey Stoner or someone in MotoGP who, like, who retired in his late 20s. And there's like, well, that's bizarre, but that was because he'd been a full-time professional since he was 13. And yeah. he and was cooked. It's time to and stop. the funny thing was, was she was the sort of first professional, and it'd be interesting for her to talk to, like, like some of the rugby players that were 18 when rugby turned professional. Yeah. And w- was going through professionalism with a whole bunch of players that had, you know, essentially played most of their career through the amateur era. And then were being asked to do a whole heap of professional style things and was sort of pushing back on it or, yeah. you know, and, and this person going, well, this is my job. You know, this is my livelihood. I have to be, I have to do all these things because otherwise I won't have a job. And it is a different way of looking at it, right? Um, like I have to remember that even with the, the kids I coach, like this is a hobby. <laughs> it's mm. not. You know, I can ask, but you have every right to say, fuck off, I've got a family or, you know, other commitments or other things that I want to do, you know, study or whatever. Like, this is just a hobby and I can only put in what I can put in. And and Uh, it is a shame that now is the time where it doesn't have to be a hobby. It can be. It's not going to be as lucrative a life as as it is for fucking Glenn Maxwell with his 11 crore or whatever the fuck it is that he's going to pull in for a month's work. But- it's certainly enough that you can – it's certainly a much more comfortable life than it was five years ago. And it's, yep. it's a shame that she's going to miss out on that. So are the Alex Blackwells and the and all that fucking generation as well. So Yeah, one of, one of the guys at the gym, um, his daughter's 16 and is a really good AFL player. Um, and it's, it's just fascinating talking to her that she has that as an option, right? Like – you know what? What are you gonna What are you gonna do after high school? Well, I 
you know, I could go and study, I could go and do this, or I could be a professional sportsman. And yeah. I just think that's fucking cool. That's really cool. That you- Although with AFLW, it is only a seasonal thing. And yeah. to be fair, that still works with being a uni student because of the time of yes. year that the, the comp's actually being played. But you're right. There's no, there's no IPL. There's no hundred. There's no. You can't be a touring full time. There's no national contracts. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you had the if you had the choice and you're equally able in each of the sports, it would be football or cricket, soccer or cricket. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I I wonder what's happening to the netball talent in in Australia because I just think they're. <sighs> they fucked it but, when they pulled out of the, the Trans Tasman yeah. thing. I think they they yeah. that was their one that was their unique selling proposition. And now neither the Kiwi nor the fucking Australian comps are worth a pinch of shit. And it's really quite sad. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether there's a Gideon Haig type writer who would write the book about Australian netball over the last decade. You know about how they had that mind share and had that interest and just. Pissed it away, essentially. Yeah. Like, I just think, I just don't think they'll, it feels like Rugby Union Australia just doesn't feel like they'll ever get it back. Yeah, they thought they would be number one forever. They thought they'd be yeah. number one with women forever. And they didn't, they never really believed that soccer and cricket would chew up their market share until it was too late. Like, my Facebook feed has more women's football transfer stories in it than men's, like, men's football. Like, now, admittedly, I, I realise that's because I, I read a lot of, you know, I understand how algorithms work and I read a lot of stuff during the World Cup. So, it's sort of like, well, you must be interested in that. But it's just like, you know, this player is being transferred to this third division club and, and you know, Steve, um, Sam Kerr did this for Chelsea overnight and it's just like- Charts to Sam Kerr, engaged to Christy Mewes. I, I just, you know, it's just part of the part of the fabric now. Well, there's um, even a whole lot of pretty facile discussion about the fact that Australia played a World Cup qualifier against Bangladesh, and they got like twenty, thirty thousand to Amy Park or wherever it was, and they're like, "Oh, you know, if this was a, a Matildas game, they would have got eighty thousand. It's clear that the Matildas <laughs> are better than the world." And it's like, "Yeah, just pump the brakes on that, dude. I don't, yeah. I don't think, I'm, just, I don't get the impression that like a, a wet Thursday night yeah. in fucking November is." Is the right comparator to the World Cup semi final in terms no, of but, in but, terms of pull, but, but, it's, but it's it's good that those conversations can be had and people feel like yeah, they can and, and stick and their chest out. That, a lot of that, that is will, trying to signal how much of a good good dude you are and how supportive of women's sport you are. Because a lot of this dialogue was from dudes trying to signal how great they were um, and how how fucking how much of a fucking aloe they were, which is uh, always funny to watch. Yeah, we we never do things like that. All right, Doc. Sure. Well, no, we just we just talk about shit that we want to talk about. Yeah, and, and, and when, when it comes to people who you know, we we don't need to signal that we think people like Kilometers Viaduct should be fed to a wood chipper. We just say it. Fuck that yeah, guy and, and fuck the club that he plays for. And signalling means that you've got someone listening to the signal. And yes. I don't know whether we qualify for that. I don't think anybody who listens to this show <laughs> is going to be impressed by the fact that, we, that, we, that we're down on domestic abusers. I don't, I don't think anybody is. We're not going to get any extra sex for this. Man. That 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 story is just like it's not getting better. I know I, I should get offline, but uh, <sighs> it's like the the framing around some of the language with it, like gross. It's gross. I, I, it's I, so I, gross. I never I never thought the NBA would fall, you know, in the in the moral sweepstakes below the NFL, but I think it has. But this is the thing: it's clear that that Silver, as a lawyer, doesn't want to be doesn't want to put his league in the same position that Roger Goodell put the NFL in, where they essentially yeah. set themselves up as an extra fucking court of justice. 
because that can leave you in a really awkward spot. But you don't have to do it like this. But the but the stupid thing is, right? They 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 came down on a ton of bricks on on a Lamello about having a tattoo on his neck that was seen as a corporate. And it's like, guys, you can't be out here prosecuting this when right next to him on the same bench is a guy that fucking hit his partner. You can't do that. Like, yep. stay away from the Lamello thing. Don't make that hill to die on while you're not actually no. wanting to walk up the hill that's much steeper right next to him. It's like-, like and You're just setting yourself up to fucking to yeah, get your ass kicked. I, I understand they're completely different parts of the NBA, right? Like, the, yeah. the, the corporate part that decided to, you know, tell Lamello that he's got to cover up his neck tattoo is a completely different part that's dealing with the domestic violence thing. But surely you've got the self-awareness to go- but nobody's dealing with the domestic violence thing. That's yeah. the problem. It hasn't been dealt with. No, it's just sitting there. They're just going, let the courts decide. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, if the courts decide this guy should not be in, in public society, then it's not good for you guys. Then why, why have you had him in you public? You guys had the opportunity to just make sure he didn't play, and you didn't do that. And rugby league uh, is not a good example for anything. But at least for this sort of environment, they would have sat him down and said, just go away. You know, yeah. you, you can just, we're not going to dock your pay, we're just going to pay you to fuck off. Until this is because you, if you turn up, it's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for us if you continue to come to work. So how about yep. you fuck off until this is resolved one way or the other? And and that's what, what AFL didn't do with fucking Jordan Degoe and people like that. And, and it, yeah. just their sheer existence in the limelight is an endorsement of whatever it was they did or were alleged to do. So you can't have that. Well, like even the narrative in the press conference from Mr. Kilometers about how. You know, if I come back and play well, everything will be forgiven. No. 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 no not, not, not with no, a fair no, proportion. No, 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 no. You hit like, your missus with a fucking pool balls. You, no, we don't. No, no. No, Absolutely. Bro. There will be some people in American sports that will go, oh, man, if you're winning for my team, all is forgiven, come back. But there's a whole chunk of us that it's like, no, man, that's gross. And I hope your, I hope your team has bad draft luck forever, forever and ever. I was encouraged by there was a- one of those shitty aggregator accounts that sort of aggregated those comments and then every single fucking reply was, nah, mate, you're a piece of shit. Nah, fuck off. Yeah. Nah, nah. And it was, and, and this is on x slash twitter.com, the home of shitty fucking yeah. fascist replies. And it was all overwhelmingly, nah, get fucked, you domestic abusing piece of shit. And I thought that was encouraging in terms of the, the general well, tone. And shouts to Charles Barkley, Rob Mahoney, and Zach Lowe, who yeah. every time they talk about Charlotte or him, do not fail to mention the fact that he has this in his background. Well, Charles you Barkley know, did it in a live TV interview that yeah. fucking Silver was not prepared for. Just love the hand <laughs> grenades, like, what is this bullshit? You don't put your hands on women. We don't want to be in competition with other leagues as to how, you know, who can be the toughest. My question is, why not? Why yeah. not? This is the sort of yeah. stuff you should be the toughest on. Yeah. We don't need justice for fucking domestic abusers. Anyway. All right, on that positive note, shall we come back and talk some tunes? Well, I was just going to add that I shouldn't be that encouraged by the opinions expressed on Twitter because that is the place where all the most terrible <laughs> opinions exist. I mean, that was that was where the, the they need to trade Giddy because he's in the way or he's too old yeah. take came from, which is probably only the second worst edgelord blogger take behind my new favourite, Dame is missing threes because he doesn't want to be in Milwaukee. Right. Yeah. Oh, he's missing them on purpose, you know. I, I know the take was a little bit, Roughly written, but uh, 
I don't know whether Griffin's the guy for that job, hey? I don't know where he I'm, might- No, he, I'd, I'd totally reject that fucking- that, Oh, yeah, you think he's- It was a bullshit line. It was written after he'd played four games. They are figuring it out. They, it will take them a bit of time to figure it out. It was always going to take yeah. them a bit of time to figure it out. I think they're the, fine. The, there's a bit of chat that other people might be figuring it out for him, but, well, uh, look, it doesn't matter. He is a first-time head coach. Spo had to figure it out too. Remember LeBron going in a fucking Pat Riley's office like, do you ever get the itch to come back? No, I don't, LeBron. And you've got to give that front office more props than we probably would normally because time and time again, every time Giannis has gone, you know, we need to upgrade this, we need to move forward, they've managed to do it in a way that wasn't public, wasn't well-known, and really have done everything that they possibly could to keep him in a winning position. So, um, And what you've got to you know, say, maybe if, if, if Griffin had said, like, to, to the players who said, look, can we play a bit more drop with, with Brooke? If he'd mm, said, no, fuck, fuck off, it's no. my way or the highway, then, yeah. we, then we'd have a discussion about it. But I feel like they have taken on some of those principles and they're figuring out they've only played 10 fucking games. And they're that- still, what, third or fourth in the – what, in the, the East, I what think. Are we, probably 11 or 12, I imagine. What are we at? They are eight and four. Yeah. And they've won their last three. Uh, so I think they're going to figure it out, yeah? Yeah, they're, th- they're third, you know. <laughs> they're they're a game be behind Philadelphia. <laughs> they're fucking fine, you know. Yeah. And for at least half of those games, they either didn't have Giannis or didn't have Dame. So I, I think whenever I see a first time, a young first time coach getting this sort of shit, I always think back to Spo and it's like, how about we just see how this one plays out, yeah? Because I reckon it's probably going to be, be fine. Alright, Doc. I have many, many thoughts about this week's music, so um, shall we come back? Shouldn't it be last week's music? Last week's, yes. That's true. <laughs> this fortnight's music. Alright, I'll catch you on the flip side. Catch you again next week, folks. See ya. recording this just in case you want to use it. <laughs> it's unlikely. <laughs> Chance, chances are unlikely. Unlistenable shit. <laughs>